Hey everyone, welcome to The League Life, episode 5. My name is Schnaz, I'm here with my colleague at Fox Sports, Brooksy. How you doing, mate? Oh, Schnaz, I'm very well, thanks. Good weekend. In some ways, Brooksy, with both our teams out of the NFL, we can now look 100% ahead to the NRL season. It's what we're here for on The League Life. Tell us about our social media pages, please, sir. Facebook, The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz, and we're also on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at League Life NRL. You can find us on SoundCloud as well, and that's soundcloud.com forward slash Legal Life NRL. We've had a lot of good feedback in the last week on social media, which must please you, Nathan, being the chief of social media at The League Life. Talking about the, t- the points that we're making in the podcast, it's really good to get that involvement from you guys. So keep it going, and we'll keep it going throughout the season and look forward to your opinions. So Schnaz, how did you spend your weekend? What did you get up to? Sadly... Depending how you look at it, I spent most of my time in our time at Fox Sports. It's where we work. It's what we love to do. We are statisticians. And I was keeping document of the weekend's activities, but with one eye looking forward to the NRL season, my friend. I didn't see you here on the weekend, Brooksy. No, I was pretty much at home all weekend. I was in lockdown. Me and the Netflix account. I couldn't stop watching a couple of shows over the weekend, Schnaz. What's your poison? Making a murderer. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah, so I've heard all the hype. I haven't sunk my teeth into it. I hope it's not too grim for someone like me, but a lot of people are talking about it. You're right. What's the lowdown? So it's about a gentleman called Stephen Avery and the circumstances in which he has to go through. It's a 10-part documentary and it just keeps you going each episode. It's like, you know, you watch a show probably like you do with Friday Night Lights, where you're just like, one more app, one more app. And that's what I did on the weekend. I smashed that out over the weekend. It was amazing. You recommend? I highly recommend it. Without going into too much detail, I think it's good to go in a bit blind. You can obviously read up on the story if you want to. It's a true story and it's a doco-based, not narrated, and it is compelling. I am still in the midst of rewatching Friday Night Lights. I'm into season three now, and it's really heating up. In case you didn't hear last week, we recommend everyone go watch Friday Night Lights TV show if you haven't watched it yet. So I guess that's enough with us and what we do, but there's been other things happening outside of our lives with regards to the NRL. Schnaz, was there anything that caught your eye over the uh, week? I'm quite a big fan of the Auckland Nines. The first Auckland Nines, I was actually in Melbourne playing a few gigs, and I watched a lot of the games in between my musical uh, activities. But last year, I got to spend the whole weekend watching every game from my lounge, and it was so much fun. Schnaz, it was amazing to be at. I was over there oh. with one of our fellow colleagues, and it was an unbelievable event. You were texting me during the final. Yeah, because your beloved Sharkies made the final. My beloved Valentine from the sideline. That great field goal, in theory, conversion. Exactly, and it really suits his game, those uh, drop goal conversions. I'm looking forward to the 2016 Auckland 9s. I don't take it too seriously, but I think from a viewing point of view, it's a lot of fun. And there have been some headlines this week, and it really pleases me to say that, as they have done in the past, they're bringing back some former greats. Two years ago, we had Brad Fittler. Last year, we had the great Kenny Nagus, and this year it's been announced so far that Jason Croker from the Canberra Raiders, and it's also rumoured the ever-youthful 
Matt Bowen will be playing for the Cowboys. He is training with them right now, but it's yet to be confirmed. But we think that's what's going on. How exciting is that to have former greats come back? It's a great marketing ploy. It's an NRL fan's dream, I think. There's got to be more of it. I think a lot of those older players, obviously, as long as they can play, it would be great to see some of the old players get out there and have a run around. They don't have to play for the full nine minutes of each half. But Why don't they make it a stipulation that every club has to have one former player? Yeah, they could be the ambassador of the team or whatnot, do a lot of media. That's going to that's gonna fill any empty seat that might be there. Shnaz, you seem pretty pretty happy with this and that it's happening how about i throw you some teams and you give me the first old school player that you would want to see at the ninth giddy up all right here we go cronulla sharks david peachy south sydney rabbitohs ian crossan mm, nice penrith panthers it's got to be my friend brandy alexander <laughs> oh brandy that'd be awesome illawarra steelers rod wishart ah wishy yes Imagine him doing the shaky legs on a drop kick. That would be amazing. The Warriors. Stacy Jones. Manly Ring of Seagulls. Cliffy. Yeah, Cliffy. Cliffy Lyons. Or Beaver. Or Cliffy and Beaver. I was thinking Matty Ridge for some reason. Matt Ridge. Because yeah. it's Auckland. But Cliffy Lyons would tear it up still, I think. North Sydney Bears. Well, it'd be interesting to see a coach now playing for his former team in Jason Taylor. Matty Sears? you got to go with Greg Florimo. Greg Florimo, yeah. He's still trying to get them back in the comp, bless him. See, those names, even though they're probably not going to be that fit. And some of the teams won't be there that we've mentioned. Exactly. They're still synonymous with the teams that they played for and bring back those memories. And it is a fun event. And that was the funny thing, Schnaz. I wore my Laura Steelers jersey and it was all these people were coming up to me going, Steelers! It was amazing. And, and that's the vibe there. And I know a few people that are going this year um, a couple of guys from work are going and they're going to have so much fun and I suggest if you're looking for something to do in the back end of summer whether it be this year or in the future get over to Auckland and get to the Nines it is something else it's really fun and it brings back those old days of when they played the World Sevens out at the SFS which yeah. were awesome days I just couldn't get over the non-stop plethora of rugby league that that weekend is there's barely a break in play there's the game stop, and then the other teams just come straight on. Yeah, it's a, it's a great event that they hold. I know it's not officially an NRL event, but it's great to see a lot of players getting involved with it. The Warriors take it seriously. I believe they might be playing Sean Johnson, Isaac Luke, and RTS, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, in the tournament. They're going hard. It'll be interesting to see if other teams will do the same and play some of their stars. The majority of teams would take it seriously. I don't know why there is this certain speculation that clubs don't take it seriously. The, the ones who don't will be obvious. The Bulldogs last year took over a fairly mediocre team. Young guys and, and reserve graders. And that's, that's their right to do it, I guess. But yes, yeah, should be a great spectacle. And let's stay tuned, Nathan, to see what other former greats come out of the woodwork. Well, this is this has got to be the last play, really, hasn't it? Shot clock says five seconds. Home from the sideline. It's a mighty strike. My goodness me! It's the best I've ever seen. He's raised the roof. Valentine Holmes is a dead corner here in New Zealand. Has nailed it from the sideline. We're off the golden try. Extra time. Oh, we have witnessed a miracle. Hallelujah, Valentine Holmes. 
Brooksy, what else is happening in the world of rugby league? I couldn't help but notice this article that came out over the last couple of days. I saw it on the Rugby League Week Twitter account. It was with regards to Ashton Sims calling out his brother Corbin about his allegiance when it comes to origin. See, this is something that I sort of saw last year when I went down to my cousin's grand final. He plays for Gerringong and he was playing against Shell Harbour and we went back to the clubhouse when they'd won the grand final. And I saw on the board that Corbin Sims has racked up 10 years with Gerringong Lions. So Corbin Sims has played 10 years in his, shall we say, junior days for a South Coast New South Wales team. But he's pledged his allegiance to the Maroons. So he had a pretty good season last year and in contention with both sides to be in their emerging squads. He's chosen Queensland. And it's funny because some of these quotes that are in the article, I couldn't stop laughing when I was reading them. Why would he choose Queensland? I think when Ashton went and played with the Broncos, Tariq and and Corbin were part of their junior teams. Gotcha. So I think he did play a few years up in Queensland. So he played probably in his late teens in a Queensland-based team. But he will be eligible for Queensland in State of Origin. Now, I have to pledge my allegiance right now to the legend that is Ashton Sims. I love the man, and that love has been growing for probably the last five years. What has he said? Well, you're going to love him more after some of these quotes. So the first one in the article was, he's an absolute idiot. I've told him I don't understand where all this passion and all that crap comes from. We're born and bred in New South Wales. We're so enriched in New South Wales. Ah, he's his own man. If you play Origin, I hope you get man of the match in a losing team. He talks the way he plays, hard and honest. I love it. And he's got a point too. He keeps going. Even if he gets to play for Queensland, I'll never go for Queensland. Tariq thinks he's a clown too. So he's also speaking in behalf of the other brother, Tariq, (laughs) which is obviously... Um, interesting because they've both been selected for their respective emerging squads over the past week. We could have Corbin v. Tarek in origin. Mate against mate, state against state, brother brother against against brother. brother. Exactly. So this is going to make things a little interesting. I want to see a brother against a brother in state of origin. Is that not rugby league for you right there, Schnaz? There are a lot of loose ends in rugby league and that's one of them representing your district. The season's almost here, Brooksy. We can smell it around the corner here at Fox Sports. Now, we encourage you to go out to a game live. I'm going to go out and see Cronulla v Manly on February 14. You'll probably go out and see your Nasty Dragons on February 13 in the Charity Shield. But should you not, for whatever reason, you and our listeners and myself can sit back on Saturday, February the 13th at 1 o'clock on Fox Sports You can watch the Warriors v. Gold Coast Titans trial match. At 5 o'clock, you can watch the Charity Shield, your Nasty Dragons, against the Rabbitohs. 7.30pm on Channel 9, the All-Stars match. So that's three games of footy coming up very soon. So that's great for league fans. The day before Valentine's Day, they can smash out three games and then obviously do their part the next day with their significant others. And take them to Shark Park to see... Cronulla v Manly on Valentine's Day. And watch Valentine Holmes. Valentine on Valentine's Day? Mm -mm. Oh, that's... How how did you guys hook that up? Seriously? I have been dreaming about that for the last few years, and now it's going to come true. 
Actually, while we're on the topic of Cronulla, we've got to give them a shout out for their social media presence. Their response to the Telegraph's article about who might be fullback for the Sharkies when they tossed up the names of Ben Barber, Valentine Holmes, Michael Gordon and Jack Bird and they came back with, we can confirm it won't be Michael Gordon. That's the talking points for the week. Let's uh, get into the previews. We've already previewed seven of the teams so far. We're looking to do another three today. And we're going to be starting with the Manly Warringah Seagulls, who have been in the news recently. Um, Schnaz, what did you make of their 2015? It's the first time they missed the final series since 2004. They had that amazing stat where every year they were, just, they were there. You couldn't get rid of them. Manly entrenched in the top eight. Last year, they missed out. They started really slow. Brooksy, tell us about it. They started the season one and six, Schnaz. And remember, another great start that was coming out, they'd never finished last. It was looking like they may finish last for the first time ever in their history. Looking back on those first few weeks, and Jeff Tuvey, I remember hearing that after the game against Parramatta in round one, DCE addressed the team and said that he'd signed the contract with the Titans. And then, I don't know if it was the Tuesday after that game or the following Tuesday when he was on Fox Sports' NRL 360 and there was breaking news. Ben Eichen had just told him that Kieran Foran was set to announce a deal the next day to, to play with Parramatta for the next four seasons. I genuinely felt bad for the fans and the club. It was just... Two big names, two of their better younger players. It really didn't paint a good picture for how the season was going to continue on thereafter. As a fan of the game and an older fan of the game to some of our listeners, you wanted them to be like Sterling and Kenny. Start as kids, have success, retire together. They were that good together. I can't believe that Manly let, well, both of them go at one point. DCE came back, but Kieran Foran, big loss. The thing for me was, you look back at this at this 2015 season and you see how it started, but to be within a game or two at the back end of the year of making the finals, that was an amazing achievement in itself. It will go down as, obviously, like you said, the first time in 11 seasons that they didn't get into the finals, but they can hold their heads high, but they can hold their heads high this year. Because that's an amazing feat to get ninth after what they had already gone through. I guess when DC did the backflip, they did get some momentum heading into the back end of the season. Like it wasn't all doom and gloom. One of their best players was staying on. Um, it was a very lucrative deal. They were going to build the team around him. And it seemed as though they went pretty hard late in the season. They won eight of their last 11. But there was that Parramatta loss. You got the sense it was one of the last games at Brookie that had a really good record against Parramatta in previous seasons. And it just fell apart there. And that could have been the difference in them getting into the eight instead of the Dragons. I, I look at it as a positive that they didn't make the finals because of the circumstances that they had to go through throughout the season. Like some teams had injuries. This was, this was the club that was going through a lot. They're going to be better for it this year. You mentioned the circumstances they were left in. Now people are talking about them as almost a shoe-in for the top eight in 2016. New coach, new players. Trent Barrett in his first season as a 
head NRL coach under immense pressure, but geez, handled the off-season well with his signings. Yeah, that's an experienced head on his shoulders, and I'm I'm backing him in to do a really good job in his first season. I'm pretty biased about Baz because he's, if not the best Illawarra Steeler in their history. He's still got a record, I think, for scoring tries at 5'8". He scored 18 in 1998, which Blake Austin actually got pretty close to last year. But he has really forged himself a coaching career. Like he's, He did four, I think it was four years with country. He spent the last two out at Penrith behind Ivan Cleary. I think he's going to bring something different to the club. And it's it has been the last few coaches, Jeff Tuvey, Des Hasler, ex-players. This is, a, this is going to be a fresh set of ideas. They've lost some of their, their mainstays like Glenn Stewart and Anthony Watmo in recent years. Um, you look at their departures this year as well. Matty Ballon, obviously we've talked about Kieran Foran. They've lost a few role players in like Peter Hicku and Justin Horro and Liggy Sow. A new era forming at Brookie. And he's going to bring John Cartwright with him as well. So there's a bit of experience there in the coaching ranks. He's brought over a few players. So I, I think it is a positive time for Manly fans. It seems like he's been thinking about this moment for a long time. And also the fact that Penrith released him, what, halfway through the season at least, when they realized he was going to go to Manly. He's had time to think about it, and he's handled himself really well in the press already, brought together an experienced coaching staff. I think Manly need this, a guy who has no association with the club. He's not one of the Manly boys given a job. And although guys like Bob Fulton will always be behind the scenes trying to pull the strings, I'm hoping Trent Barrett can be his own man and and really call all the shots. Yeah, so the coaching staff is made up of John Cartwright, obviously. I mean, there's another gentleman there which Manly fans might not be too familiar with, Anthony Seabold. He spent the last four down in Melbourne with Bellamy. He was their under-20s coach in 2013, and he's also been the development coach over the past two seasons. And he's also had a bit of experience with some of the representative, junior representative teams. He coached the Queensland under-18s team last season, as well as assisting Justin Holbrook at the Junior Kangaroos. So he brings some experience too. He's been touted as maybe someone that will fix their defence, but it seems exciting. Like they've got a decent coaching staff there to replace Tuvi. Tuvi had a winning record of about 58%. Shnaz. So he wasn't like... It wasn't like Tuves was struggling to get wins. I think it was more just a change of scenery that the club needed. It was also that bad start to the season. A team like Manly expects success, and when it doesn't happen, they freak out. A long run of making the finals, never finished last. There was alarm bells early on, and I think this is what led to it. So that's all good news for Manly and their supporters. What's not so rosy is where are they going to play in 2016 and beyond? Brooksy, what the heck is going on down at Brookvale Oval? What's going on with the Warringah Council? It's interesting because over the course of the off-season, we've had conflicting reports about Brookvale Oval. At the start of the off-season, around October, Dean Ritchie had an article in the telly regarding the redevelopment of Brookie with a new 4,000-seat grandstand on the hill there at Brookie. So it was looking like the council and the team were together and were wanting to do something with the ground and they've played there every season that they've been in the competition. But then three months later, we're in January and we get a press release from the Seagulls saying that they have refused Warringah Council's ultimatum over the hiring fees for the coming season. 
And there was an interesting, like the quote from Joe Kelly, it's quite aggressive. Like it's not like they're trying to work out a deal. It said, we've proposed a higher fee, figure three times the benchmark being paid by other NRL clubs, utilizing superior suburban grounds, including the offer to maintain the surface at our own cost to ensure it meets NRL standards. But once again, any proposal put to the council has been quickly dismissed. They seem a bit detached from a resolution by this media release from the Eagles. So it's an interesting thing. I think Brookie and Manly go hand in hand. I can't see the Eagles playing in any different venue. When they merged with the Northern Eagles, fans were blowing up that they were going traveling up to Gosford. Well, that and North Sydney Oval is the only, is the only realistic alternatives, right? To stay in the area. Well, not even the area, but the that part of the world. You think about, like, there isn't any options. The Rats play at Pitwater Rugby Park during the same time frame. Yeah, but that wouldn't be an NRL-fit stadium. No. And you've got Manly Oval, which is under the similar sort of circumstances with the Marlins. I think that's why the council has this massive leverage over Manly, because they know they can't play anywhere else. And I think that's why they ask for these exorbitant amount of fees from the Eagles. Imagine seeing Manly playing at either Gosford, ANZ or Allianz as their home ground or home grounds collectively. It's not a situation that I guess Joe Kelly and the Penn group want to contemplate. They want to play at Brookie. They want to do it up. They want to make it one of the best boutique stadiums in Sydney. Yeah, so I saw a video on the Fox Sports website and it was Joe Kelly talking about 2016, we will be playing our allotted home games at Brookie. So he's obviously going to make a deal. The Manly are going to make a deal with Ringer Council. They're probably going to meet the terms of the agreement. 2017, that's another story. We're going to have to see what happens. This is going to be a watch this space situation at the back end of the year. Brooksy, I'm also intrigued by what's going to happen on the field, 1-17 to for this Manly mob. They've got some really, really good young prospects coming through, including the Trebojevic brothers. Both immense talents, which we've already seen, and they're only going to get better. Tom's going to challenge Brett at fullback, if not this season, in 2017. Looking at his numbers from 2015, he's, he's putting up a good challenge. He's one of these kids that were, were unbelievable in lower grades, and you sort of think, well, that's all very well, but throw him into first grade. And in first grade, he's been one of their better players every time he's played. I was watching that final between Penrith and on grand final day, the Holden Cup final. He has this touch that I'm sure basketball fans are sort of seeing with Ben Simmons in the NCAA. Like he just looks like he's going to go on and do big things. He played a good game. And you see the games that he played for Manly in first grade in 2015. And you know that this guy is going to be a star in years to come. You look at some of the kick return stats. This is a stat that I've seen with Brett Stewart on the decline in his career. And it's an important stat for fullbacks. Of any player that had more than 24 kick returns in 2015, he averaged 6.9 meters on the kick return. That was the lowest. in Brett the Stewart did. Brett Stewart. Which is nothing. That's not very good for a kick return. You want to get at least 10 metres on a kick return. Is it because of his injury plagued last few years? or could be a lot of things. And I don't want to pinpoint that it is necessarily Stuart as such. Like there could be some really good kicks that he's had to retrieve over the course of the season. But Travojevic is averaging 12 metres. I know he's played the wing and he did have a couple of goes at fullback as well. 
uh, retrieving kicks. That's what you want out of your fullback. You want to get at least 10 metres. We saw Manly move on Glenn Stewart last season, which kind of gave everyone the, the little clue that no one here is really safe. There are Manly legends, but we'll get rid of them if we need to. I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that Trebojevic plays in the wing, Brett Stewart plays fullback. Maybe the writing's on the wall towards the end of the year. Brett goes to Super League in England to finish his career. And young Tom takes over in 2017. He's still a heck of a player. He still has that dangerous ability to score a try, particularly at Brookie. Yeah, I think Brett's got to be fullback round one. And I'm sure all Manly fans would agree with that. But I think Trent and his staff will be keeping a keen eye out on the wing at Tom and seeing how he's going. He probably doesn't have the ball-making skills that Brett Stewart has. Brett Stewart's hands are one of the best out of the fullbacks in the NRL. So I think until Tom brings that into his game, then we can really start asking that question. But there's some other facets of the game that Tom's bringing to the table that could be causing the team to think about that fullback switch in years to come. It's a bit unfortunate that we won't get to see Kieran Foran play under Trent Barrett. They both have that style of play where they run to the line, creative kickers, and old school kind of tough 5 8 that wasn't to be this time around, Brooksy. And then you look at the forward pack, and I think this is their strength, Schnaz. They recruited Marty Tapao, Lewis Brown, to add to already Jamie Bura, Felitti Mateo. They've got a youngster, Liam Knight, that's in the, on the cusp of playing NRL as well. And that's just your back row. Then you look at the front row. You've got Nate Miles, obviously. Darcy Lussick's back. Brenton Lawrence only played one game last year. He's technically a new buyer. And also Jake Travojevic who was quite solid for Manly last year. He led the forwards in metres. He was second in tackles. His tackling efficiency was around the 97.4% mark. That's amazing. And he plays big minutes. He's a fit young man. Looking at the stats too for Manly last year, they were last in tackle bus. And Marty Tapao was actually first among forwards in tackle bus. So him getting the ball around the 20 metre line... I think DCE is going to pop a few of those short balls to him on the edge because that's hard to stop. I think Tapao is going to be a huge purchase for them. I've come around a lot in recent years to Nate Miles as well, and I think he's going to be a real quiet achiever for them. On the field, quiet achiever. Off the field, a really good head to have in that dressing room. That's where I started noticing him again as a rugby league player because I saw him interviewed a few times, particularly with Peter Sterling on Sterlow's show last year. I had no idea he was such a mature gentleman. Maybe he wasn't always. Maybe he's changed his ways. But to hear him talk about rugby league and about life in general was really refreshing. And I started noticing him on the field around that time as well. And I think in a way that Willie Mason was good for Manly last season, I think in a less explosive kind of way, I think Nate Miles will do the same. He's a workhorse. So if he can remain injury-free, I think he's going to do a lot for Manly. Matt Ballon went to the Tigers. And Barrett brought Apicorosau with him. And they also got Matt Parcell from Ipswich. Just want to read some quick stats here for Matt Parcell. 17 tries in 20 games in the Intrust Super Cup. And he had nine tries in their four finals matches. Big time scorer when it comes to finals in, in the Queensland Cup. He comes with a lot of raps. I believe he was highly sought after and Manly won the, uh, the bidding war. So Schnaz, what do you think of Manly's chances? Like We've talked about some of the off-field with regarding the Tooves and Brookie Oval. But on the field, they look like they're going to be a, a very intimidating side. I think as long as the coaching staff go as good as what we think they will, they're going to be the big improvers from last season. They have to start strong. 
We say that about all the teams, but last year their big issue was uh, a slow start, as we discussed. Get off to a good start. The pressure's off. They can learn how to play under Trent Barrett with a lot of new players there. As you said, the forward pack is bordering on explosive. DCE is one of the best halves in the game, and they've got some good backs. Jamie Lyon is still a very, very creative, intelligent player, so they'll be back in the finals. I like the mix of the previous era with Stewart, Lyon, Maddai, Cherry Evans, and also bringing in the Nate Miles and Lewis Brown. I think it's a really good squad, and I actually see them struggling early on, but I think they'll get it together, and I think they're going to be up there. Next up, Nathan, we have the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I've got a question for you straight up. Are they still the working class people's team? Definitely. I think they are. I think Definitely. they represent, yeah, what they represent is the working class. Yeah. You beg to differ? They play in Homebush. Yeah, there's people that work out there. They're owned by a multi-millionaire, multi-multi-multi-millionaire, who wears leather jackets, which I believe are made specifically for him. Nah, that's that's just rusty. Okay, I'm glad we've cleared this up. The people's team, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Premiers in 2014. Last year, not so good. Knocked out in the first week by the Sharkies. They do, though, have a favourite son coming back. It's very exciting. Everyone's excited. Channel 9 are already hyping it, and they're quivering in their shoes and in their skin because big Sam Burgess, jaw intact... Is back. I think it's a big get for South Sydney getting Sam Burgess because you look at what they've got around him for 2016 in terms of purchases. There's not that much. And they have let go quite a few people. There's not that much because he's on $44.8 million per year. You know, his stint over in rugby didn't really work out for him and England. They needed to clear some cap room. And the players that they lost, Tim Grant, Isaac Luke, Chris McQueen, Glenn Stewart and Dylan Walker. There's some big names. Benny Lowe retired. That's a lot of depth that you're losing right there. I think they're going to have to rely on youth to fill those remaining spots. But Sam back at the club with his two brothers who have improved whilst he's been away from the NRL, I think that could be enough to carry him this year, Shinaz. Oh, they're in for about a year. I think we'll establish that in the next few minutes. They had a great start last season, Brooksy. Well, they were going along nicely, 12-7, and seven, but then they fell off the deep end at the back end of the year. They lost four of their last five. All of, them were, all of the losses were by 14 points or more, and the last two were by 35 and 30, respectively. So... It wasn't the best season under Michael Maguire, but GI was injured. They had injuries in the halves as well. I don't think their injury crisis was as bad as what Penrith went through, but a lot of their good players weren't playing for them throughout the year. What you're telling me is that when GI is hurt, they're not South Sydney. That's what you're telling me. Yes, he is an important part of the team, particularly without Sam Burgess last year. They needed him to pretty much play the whole year. He missed five games. They lost four of them. A lot of his stats have dropped down. I think playing Origin and for Australia, those long seasons are starting to take their toll on GI. But I don't know, with Sam Burgess back in the team, with a few more young guys to take some of those hit-ups 
and he can more direct the team around and make those important runs, who knows? It could be quality rather than quantity. They had that one win in the last sort of six weeks against North Queensland in Townsville, and everyone thought, oh, they're back. They're going to make their finals run from here. As you pointed out, they lost a lot of games after that by a lot of points. You could see Coach Maguire just frothing. He's like a younger, slightly less angrier Craig Bellamy, who he learnt under. But you could see how peeved off he was. He was the guy I felt sorry for because he expects so much. Uh, I really like the way he uh, carries himself, the way he talks to the media. I think he has this deep respect for the game of rugby league that a lot of people in the game probably don't. I'm tipping he's going to have them primed for a big year. He, he wouldn't even be close to happy with how they finish that season. No, no matter what the circumstances, he just he's he's one of those coaches that ex- expects and demands an excellent performance, and he didn't get that for very much for the last two months of their season. And you look at the halves, and some of the stats that I looked at for the halves showed that between Reynolds and Keary, they combined for 21 tries. That, to me, for a halves combination, is quite mediocre. I know Reynolds missed a few games as well, and it was one. He's been someone that has played every game for them. Um, but 2015 was a it was an injury-filled season for him. He had he was juggling a knee and a hand injury. I think that's where they need to improve the halves. I believe Luke Keary's suspended for the first game of the season, and they're gonna possibly put Cody Walker in there. So. That could shake things up a bit. There has been rumours of Adam Reynolds departing the club over the off-season. Firstly, the Titans were brought up, as a, obviously around the time Chris McQueen went up there. But also the Panthers have been in the mix as well. So we don't really know what the situation is with Adam at the Rabbitohs. But what I was touching on before with the youth movement, I think they've got a few players that can come in and maybe maybe help this team in, in 2016. They've also recruited a new hooker. Yeah, Damian Cook. He was amazing in the five games he played for the Bulldogs. Was, I just don't know if he can keep it up. You know, four tries. He was averaging around 44 tackles a game. I just don't know if he can keep it up. In terms of replacing Isaac Luke, I don't know. I don't know if he can fill these boots over the next two seasons, let alone this season. Big shoes. Yes, he is someone that has, they've signed off the back of a really strong back end of the year. And who knows, it could be a great gamble for Maguire and the, and the Rabbitohs. We've spoken about some of the players that are coming and some that have gone. How do you think certain positions will be filled in 2016, Brooksy? We've got some young talent out at South with John Olive, Aaron Gray and Damon Goolagong. He had a really good NYC season last year. The centres, I guess, again, this the centres has been have been an issue for South over the last few years. Alvar and Bryson Goodwin are there. They recruited Heimel Hunt from Melbourne Storm. So the centres aren't big names. You know, if they do the job and it allows them to have GI and Burgess there, that's what they'll be looking for them. Just solid performances week in and week out. I like the back row, and I think you do too, Schnaz. John Sutton, Sam Burgess, Paul Carter, Jason Clark, Chris Greavesmill, Kyle Turner. I like some of that back row. Some of it, I think, is either a year too many or, or a bit overrated. But some of those guys, I think Greavesmill will really cement his spot. He's a tough young kid. And Sutton, at least, I don't think he's a good half. So I think if he is going to play anywhere, then Locke would be the way to go. So he, And he'll be looking for a big season. He's, he's getting on in years... At least the amount of time he's been at the club. And like the coach, probably has a bit of pride in that club and that jersey. He's a South Sydney boy through and through. And 
he'll want to improve on things. But yeah, the back row is not too bad there. Yeah, and they've got some young guys too that they're pretty high on. I was looking at their at their website and having a look at other blogs and Cameron Murray and Angus Crichton are two guys that they really like, particularly Murray. He signed a four-year deal. He's a local junior from Mascot. I think that's where some of those guys are going to learn from Sam and Sutton. They're going to be the future. And that's I really like that depth in the back row. And if these young guys are going to turn out how they're anticipating them to be, well, that's that's a strong point of the team. It's still a formidable side. The depth is an issue for me. If they if they have an injury plague season, I, it could be quite catastrophic. Inglis and Sam Burgess, you two big boys there, and if one of them goes down, let alone both, that will be catastrophic. They'll welcome back Burgess for his big minutes that he plays. He's inspirational. He's tough. He's got some skill, but he's there for the whole game. Like he, he plays big minutes when needed. I think that desire and that aggression were probably missing a bit last year. I don't know if they're in my top eight or not, to be honest. It will depend on injuries. I know South Sydney fans right now are sending us tweets as I say that, but some champions in that team, that's for sure. I, I guess looking at the draw for them too, the, it seems very friendly to start with. I don't think they have really tight turnarounds from rounds one through 20. Uh, they're taking the Titans, a couple of their home games, they're taking interstate. They're taking the Titans over to Perth in round 13. And they're taking the Cowboys to Cairns, uh, which should be a cracking game, I, I think. Cairns will really respond, obviously, with the Cowboys being up there. It's a Sunday Arvo. It's going to be a sellout. But it's really going to come down to those last five games, Schnaz. I'd earmark that. If they're in with a chance, they're going to have to win more than they lose of these five. Storm at Amy. Warriors at Mount Smart. The Sharkies at ANZ. Newcastle at the Hunter. And Bulldogs at ANZ. That's a tough run. So that will be the litmus test for them. And we will know after that whether they're going to be in the finals or not and how well they're going to do in the finals if they are in the top eight. The last team we're going to preview today, Brooksy, is the Canary Bulldogs. They've been a bit inconsistent and they'll be looking for a big year ahead. What can you tell us about the Bulldogs? Last year, they were 9-10 and 10 after round 21, and they were sitting precariously in eighth position. They powered home. They won their last five. I thought they would have been one of the damaging teams in the finals. They really struggled to beat the Dragons in week one and subsequently lost the next week. Funnily enough, Schnaz, it was their fourth straight trip to the finals under Hasler, and I looked into previous coaches of the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have been a successful team. He was only the second coach in club history to make the finals in their fir- in his first four years at the club. Malcolm Clift, for Bulldogs fans, was the, uh, the other coach from 1973 to 1976. So I thought they were basically going to be one of the clubs that would have gone deep into the finals. I thought they might have even made the grand final or got to the last week at least, but... They didn't, and I guess 2016, they've addressed some of those issues that they might have had. Uh, They've got further issues to deal with in terms of re-signing players. What do you see in the team in 2016, Schnaz? Much like the past few seasons, I don't see what other people see in this team. Pretty good forward pack, good front row, some big boppers. With the interchange system this season, that might not be such a great help to them. I really worry about their halves. I remember watching that 
finals match against the Dragons, and some of the things he does can really swing the momentum of a match. And I think that's why they've gone with Reynolds and let Hodko go. I think Hodko is a very solid player. He he does his thing. He he kicks well. He distributes the ball well. Obviously, his goal kicking was a was a bonus, but. I think they've gone with Reynolds because he brings that X factor. They've always loved that. I can't really fault them with that decision, but at the same time, I probably would like to have obviously re-signed Mbai, but pair him with Hodkinson. Reynolds, I can I can definitely see that argument that they've gone with Reynolds and Mbai. So I've got a question for you, Schnaz. If you were to keep two of those three, who would you keep and why? Brooksy, I have a very direct answer for you, and that is Josh Reynolds is the person I would let go. And my reasons are this. I don't think that his passion and enthusiasm come even close to matching his skill and talent on the field. Therefore, I'm saying, yes, he's very passionate. He has that urgency about him. He's your first guy on the kick chase. I'm not saying he doesn't have skill, but for me, I don't rate him as a player. I'm just going to be honest about it. His discipline is out the window a lot of times. I'm thinking back to the first game back at Belmore last season where he spent more than half the match on the bench and the crowd was chanting his name. Like, he's a fan favourite. The Belmore-Canterbury crowd love him. And I was sitting there watching, watching the game thinking, you guys are cheering for this player that this coach clearly does not want to put on the field at this point. And there was a reason. Like, he wasn't needed. I think he's a very good backup hooker slash dummy half kind of player, I honestly don't see him as a first-grade half. And it's very direct, very honest. I'm sure millions of people think the complete opposite, and I respect that. I see a lot of potential in, in Mbai, and Hodkinson's a very honest toiler. You know what you're getting with him. Uh, but that's that's the way I would go. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Reynolds has a breakout season. I remember looking back at that part of the season where they were bringing Reynolds off the bench, and... I liked it. I thought the three of them worked really well. And he brought something on in that latter part of the game that obviously players were tired and the game was sort of... I'm not getting into a lull, but it was getting to an important part of the match. And he sort of swung the match by his presence on the field. I know he didn't play 80 minutes. It was important substitution getting him on the field. And when I watched that finals match against the Dragons... He was doing these things that the stats, the box scores wouldn't show. And I think that's what the Bulldogs fans love. They love that passion that he brings to the table. And they love how he gets dirty. They love how he gets involved in the game. Albeit it's not the conventional way to play in in, ter- in terms of 2015, 2016. He adds that flavor that I think resonates well with the Bulldogs faithful. You know who can do that job for them if Desi releases the shackles. And that's the player they spent a lot of money on last season to get to the club in Michael Alicia. He can play that exact same role you're talking about, but for some reason, either he's not allowed to or he hasn't done so very often in the Canterbury Bulldogs jumper. But he's an amazing dummy half player, Michael Alicia, at his best. And I think if you just send the trainer out and say, Leash, time to unleash... I think he can play the same role. And then a guy like Reynolds, who's on a lot of money, frees up the cap, etc. But that's just my opinion. Obviously, I don't really rate him. 
we've established that. I, I understand what you're saying, and, and you're right. He does a lot of things that stats don't pick up, and that's that's all very well and good. I just happen to see the penalties he gives away, uh, the mistakes he makes when he is rushing up too quick. Remember that Titans game where he threw the ball out just before halftime? That's stuff that you can't do as a professional footballer. It's a, you know, you might make a good play here and there, and you see it a bit in the NFL that they do go on and on with celebrations. And I understood he was trying to wind down the clock, and 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 I I understand you, we saw what he was trying to do. <laughs> that doesn't make it something that's going to happen and and work out well for you. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. These brain explosions. It's it's not how I want my club to play. It'll be interesting to see if he cleans up his act in terms of that. Like we don't see this going on in the future how we perceive him. And and this is what, I guess, 2015 is going to be that for him. There's no more Trent Hodkinson. He's going to have to step up and be one of those senior leaders, particularly at 5'8". He's a young fella. I'm not disputing the fact that he could mature, and he probably will, and hopefully he will. And that will make him a better player, and that will ease some of these issues that I have with him. And for all you Doggies fans who are about to send me hate mail, let me tell you who I do like in your team. Curtis Rona. What a great, amazing season he had last year for you. He was scoring tries like he couldn't stop. He's young, he's fresh, and he will have a good long career in the NRL, you would think. I'm also a big fan of David Clemmer. Coming off contract this year, Schnaz. That's a player who's all heart and passion and urgency, but he backs it up with those meters and those hit-ups. He can uh, lose his cool every now and then, but you probably don't mind your prop forward doing that from time to time. Will Hopawadi from Parramatta. That's an interesting one, Brooksy. I don't think they gained much out of getting rid of Tim Laffey and getting Will Hopawadi. I'm not being smart here. Probably just the name in the fact that he's played Origin and he did have that breakout year in the NRL. But that's four years removed. He took his two years off for the Mormon mission. He had two, by his standards, average seasons at Parramatta compared to how he played at Manly. They must see something in him. They must see that, okay, those two years post-Mormon mission was just him getting back to his playing form and 2016 is going to be an up year for Will. I think Hasler's a coach that will get the best out of him and he will see him train really well and and, and get that performance on game day. I, I'm not knocking the Eels coaching staff, but I feel like Hasler knows how to do that probably more than most coaches in the NRL these days. So I think Will will have a, a much bigger year. He'll probably want to get an origin jumper as well. So he'll be uh, he'll be all out first round, you'd think. I think Des Hasler is their number one strength. I think his coaching has proven to be successful year after year. And he's got a team that is solid all over the park. Hasler will have them primed. And you can never write off the Bulldogs. I'm, I know that's cliche. And, you know, that whole, oh, the Bulldogs are made for the finals and... They never have stinkers of years. They're always competitive. They're the Bulldogs. They're a proud club. And that back line is playing behind this forward pack that I think is the best in the NRL. Okay. You look at them now. They've got Greg Eastwood, Josh Jackson. Sean Lane was surprisingly good at the back end of last year. I really yeah. liked him. Yep. Tony Williams was injured for a lot of the back year. This is a contract year, Schnaz. Last year of that massive deal from Manly, 600000 I think it was. So he'll be looking to perform. I like that back row in terms of the conditions that some of them will be playing under. Josh Jackson's off contract too. 
that's someone they have to lock down. And I'm yeah. sure they're expecting a big season from him because, again, another Origin jersey there that's for the taking. Honest player there, and, and you know what you're getting with him, and he won't ever let you down. And then you look at the front row. I guess with the interchange situation, they might not be as effective as they have been in the past, but boy, they've got some good names. James Graham, Aiden Tolman, David Clemmer, Sam Cassiano. And then you've touched on their hooker, Michael Leisha. And to replace Damian Cook, they got Dragons discard Craig Garvey. As a Dragons fan, when I saw him play, I didn't mind him. He got out of dummy half and he set up a lot of the play as well, made a lot of tackles. Losing Damian Cook, I guess South probably paid a bit more to get him. So they've got someone to replace Damian Cook on a, probably similar money. You like that pack, Schnaz? You, you think they're going to be one of the benchmarks for their... They'll be one of them. Depends how they play the game. If they do that short passing uh, business they did a few years ago, they will dominate. And the reason why they will be more than competitive in 2016 is that pack. And let's see how the big guys go uh, under more minutes, you'd think. There's a few of the big names off contract this year. We've, we've talked about Mbai rumoured to be re-signing. But they've also got, as you mentioned, one of the exciting backs, Curtis Rona off contract, Josh Jackson and David Clemmer. So they need to free up some money. Yes, T-Rex's money is coming off the books. But you're probably looking at splashing out nearly $2 million to keep those four players, if not more. T-Rex is out of here. You think? T-Rex is gone. Yeah. As we mentioned, contract year. It could yeah, be, but is anyone going to fall for that again? Everyone could be like, oh, T-Rex is back. I mean, I hope he has a great career and he seems like a lovely young guy and he, he should earn every, every cent that's given to him. I'm not depriving him that. I'm just saying that he had a really good year, that contract year, and... <laughs> Not too much since. Um, a big unit who probably hasn't lived up to his potential yet, but the year is young, my friend. I definitely see them going back to the finals. I think they've got that strong 17 that they're going to put out every week. I think other teams will really struggle against that forward pack. Brian Reynolds, that's going to be the question mark, whether they play 80 minutes together and do it well. Look, I I see definitely finals football there. How about yourself? Yeah, they'll be amongst it. They'll be amongst it. Probably the lower half of the eight for me. All right, and I have to give the dogs as a club a shout-out as well. This article that I found just before New Year's was amazing. It's a study that they've conducted with the Western Sydney Uni in promoting social inclusion throughout the community. And they're giving away 500 family memberships for the 2016 season to refugee families and others from disadvantaged backgrounds i you have to take your hat off to raylene castle with this it's the bulldogs are setting the benchmark off the field with regards to how a club should operate and look after their fans and this that's 2000 memberships and we've talked about this before how sport just it brings out the best in people it can bring out the worst but it generally brings people together. And for people who are probably a bit intimidated when immigrating to Australia, this is a great way to get people involved and of people of similar background to ease that burden when coming to a new country. What do you think, Schnaz? The Dogs are a club that have cleaned up their image immensely in the last, say, five years. And under Railing Castle for the last few years, uh, she's really stamped her authority over the club a few minor off-field things that she's handled really well the fact that there's a, a woman in charge of a club is i think just a great thing and 
I'm not saying you should just have a token woman there just for the sake of it, but she is an astute businesswoman and she's been doing well so far. And this is another great initiative by her and the club. And yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think anything that breaks that divide between the way certain people's mentality is about someone who's different from them, I think anything that breaks up that stereotype, and you know what it's like, you're at a football game and that person next to you might have the same jersey on or the same cap or whatever then they're one of you they're a brother they're a sister it's something as simple as a as a sporting event or a sporting team that can bring everyone together or change someone's mentality i think that's a wonderful thing and it's a great initiative and i'm not sure if you're going to see every other club do it but at least it can get clubs thinking outside the circle particularly with membership i mean i'm not so happy that they're giving away a whole bunch of members and they get you know that little tick <laughs> for the amount of members they have but you know it's like me signing up my dog or whatever little little boxes a new member no he's not full marks of the dogs for doing this i think it's cool hopefully it starts something special throughout the league and and we see a bit more of this not necessarily these certain circumstances but other new ways of bringing people into the sport and that just rugby league is loved by so many different people yeah absolutely and that's what I find when I go to games. There's just all these different groups, and, and that's an amazing thing. There's a stereotype that uh, the club I support, Cronulla, is just full of white Anglo people, and that these days couldn't be further from the truth. And I see that week to week when I'm at the games and, and members who pay really good money to sit in really good seats. It's all sorts of people and all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of classes, I would even say. And they're all there for the one reason, to support their club. And... And you're 100% right. All sorts of people, ages, demographics, backgrounds, love the game. It's, it's, that's very, very true. Probably the most apt thing we've said on this podcast today, I think, Brooksy. Brooksy, that brings us to the end of the League Life episode five i've had a heck of a time i hope you have too my friend we are getting into the nitty-gritty now we're getting to the teams that obviously had somewhat successful 2015s and they've done quite a bit to maybe take a step forward and i'm really getting excited for the season we've now talked about more than half the teams ashton sims like that story i'm still thinking about now it's it's great (laughs) they're already building up origin in january and i think we are gonna have one of those seasons to remember in 2016 i know Juan antonio samaranch used to say at every olympic games he went to that it was the best olympics ever i actually i don't think he said it post 2000 i think sydney still holds that record oh you're yeah i think you're right yeah but best ever i'm not saying that i'm not doing a Juan antonio i think this is this is gonna be an exciting season and we have talked up a few teams there's a whole bunch that can win it, Brooksy. Yeah, I whole think bunch. that's the thing. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been good. Thank you for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Brooksy, where can people find us on social media? Twitter. The handle is at League Life NRL. Facebook. The page is The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz. And soundcloud.com forward slash League Life NRL for our audio clips. All right, don't hesitate to get in touch with us, people. We want to hear from you. We will speak to you again very shortly. Brooksy, hope you have a good week, buddy. Stay out of trouble. I will. I will, definitely. And Moses and bye for now. (laughs) 